This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trab. This is Pixie. Welcome to the TriTac Games Podcast. Your podcast of of comparing who's got the biggest stick. Remember, kids, the wizard staff has a knob on the end. Oh dear God, we went there. <laughs> Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. This week, we are continuing our ongoing series of making the perfect magic system, and we are going to be talking, at least initially, about a focus, and what is a focus, and what does it do, and why would anybody want one? You have joined the most secret government agency that you have never heard of, the 13th Bureau of Justice, otherwise known as... Bureau 13. You are a government agent charged with the duty of disposing of the greatest unnatural threats to the people and the, and the economy of the United States and Canada. You will work under the knowledge that you are funded by an organization so secret, even the highest government officials do not know of your existence. Welcome to the elite band of people who wander the dark streets of the night, ever searching for the horrors that should not exist in this modern age. You are a special agent, stalking the Night Fantastic. Bureau 13 is a Gen Con award-winning RPG of modern horror and paranormal adventure. It's available from Tritag Games at tritaggames.com in both the original editions and in the D20 edition, with a new Savage Worlds edition coming soon. Remember that wherever the supernatural waits, good and evil, the agents of Bureau 13 will there but the evil is growing so yeah there are certain things about apotheosis which are good but usually that is most players unless it's an all evil campaign they're not going to do stuff like that it's usually going that that type of thing is usually going to be reserved for the villains and your heroes are trying to stop it well, not necessarily, because we talked about this before. That you, your, uh, if your source of magic, um, a, a, a potential is not human, then, you know, a lot of people would say, "Where's the harm?" Okay, we're we're draining the magic off this herd of cattle that we're slaughtering, anyways. Why not put it? Why not put it to some good use as well? Produce some tasty steaks. Well, I mean, if you're drawing it off, like cattle they're being led to the slaughterhouse anyways that's just a matter of timing yep but if you're the one you know doing an animal sacrifice if you look at alignment charts most and and i'm sure this is by modern standards most people are still not going to like it that you kill off that you're slit in the throat of this animal just so you can cast some divination spell I am reminded of, and I don't know, I don't know if Josie saw the series. I know you two might have. Carnival. It was on two seasons on HBO. No, I don't, don't have HBO. Well, both it's available. It's available through a number of different sources, but oh, I, I bought it all on DVD. I, I buy it on DVD. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, former girlfriend of mine ran me through Carnival, and oh, it was fantastic. But there was the healer. And it wasn't, I don't know, magic per se, but yeah, he could heal, but 
you would see the grass mm. die, whole flock. And I remember the one episode somebody got, I think it was um, the former pitcher who ended up with the brace on his leg and he got tarred and feathered and all that. So the young healer took him out into the middle of the desert and told the girl to drive away and just leave us there. Well, you see all these vultures starting to form around them because they think, oh, good, we're getting a free dinner. And all of a sudden, all these vultures drop. And this guy's not only healed of getting tarred and feathered, but it healed his bum knee. And it would, that was the exchange of life force, of, of, of bio force, of energy, in order to cure, I think the character's name was Clancy, to where he was entirely whole. He showed the people when he got back, he took off his brace and ran. And this guy walked around with a very pronounced limp. So yeah, it was that 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 switch of tapping into forces to create an effect. And the first thing that came to mind was that scene from Carnival. Actually, it sort of reminds me of a webcomic I followed too called uh, Trial of the Sun, where the healers have to actually do a blood sacrifice. And while the blood is fresh, they can use that to heal people of their wounds and so forth. Uh, it's actually a major plot point for the, for the webcomic. So, yeah. All right. So we have this object that provides us with magical energy. Okay. And so we're, we're start, we're kind of talking around it. The question is how is it charged or recharged? Okay, is, is, does the mage just kind of go, well, let's see, it's been a light day. I've got like, you know, uh, the equivalent of a quarter of my ma magic left over. Let me just dump it into this object so I'll, later on I'll be able to use it when, you know, I'm a little bit busier, a little bit more um, demand is being made of myself, okay? does uh, Is that how, you know, it's charged, okay? Or does uh, and uh, does he just do it naturally? Just just kind of like you know a natural conduit forms between them and it just flows from one to the other, just like you'd be pouring water from one pitcher into another. Or you know is it required to cast a magic spell in order to move that magic from one from the from the mage themselves over into that object? And therefore, you have some diminishing returns. You know, if it takes you five points of magic, or let's say ten points of magic, to push magic into this thing, well, if you're pushing, if you're spending ten points to push ten points, you've now, you know, have you essentially like wasted? You know, end up with a zero sum, or you know, was that is that magic would have been wasted anyway? So we're still saving it, even though we're spending some of the magic in order to push it into that that object for us to use as a battery later. Yeah, the question is, can you accumulate uh, over time? So it could be okay. I'm going. I'm I'm going to spend twenty to save ten, but if I do this every day, you know, for a week, I now have seventy in that thing, and ready to go. Is there a limit to how much you can put in? When I ran my uh, BRL 13 game, I, if people wanted, wanted to dump, they had to find perfect crystals, but no flaws. So they needed, a, they, first of you need something suitable to hold the mana in. If it had a flaw, it, you, it, it would leak out. 
at that point. So modern day would be really good because they can make perfect crystals in the laboratory that they never could do in finding it in nature. Yeah, or you had to cut something down to you got to that perfect bit, which which would then then limit how much you could put into it. So the bigger the crystal, the more you can put. So I can imagine Bureau Thirteen Labs. You need a crystal, clunk. Here's a five pounder. Oh dear goodness. <laughs> yeah, I I as far as recharging mm-hmm. or or making external spell batteries, yeah, I would say you'd have to go through some sort of what concerted effort. I would just think, oh, I'm going to do it. No, there might be a small ritual. Like, you might have to meditate on the crystal for, like, five minutes. Other than that, it wouldn't cost any extra. It would just be a one-for-one. One. I want to dump ten of my pe- of my magic points into this crystal. Meditate for five minutes. Ten points in the crystal, you're done. Yeah. I no. have to go get a snack afterwards or something. Now, if, we, you know. if we're dealing with ley lines, you could, uh, now we are dealing with ley lines, you could set up a magic circle near one, and you basically are now channeling through yourself into the crystal, so you can actually, you know, sort of build up, so you can always oh, have no. this. So you're, you're doing a ley line? Oh no, that's just like, you do the ritual, <laughs> boom, it's full. Because remember, ley lines pretty much Except for uh, circumstances is unlimited magical power. Yes, but I'm saying that you're channeling it through yourself to the crystal. So the, there is, of course, if you blow the if you blow the, the the roll to do it, you are the you are the wire. And what happens to wires when you blow when you put too much power through them? Oh no, you're gonna. Oh no, no. That said, you have to when you do this charging of. External spell batteries, yes, there is a ritual because you are still funneling, mm-hmm. no matter the level of magic, whether it's your own personal magic into it or you're doing from a ley line or a nexus mm-hmm. point, you still need to make sure your ritual is tight because yeah. if it's personal spell energy you're dumping into it, eh, fine. You might lose a couple points or it might not work. You're doing it through a ley line. Yeah, you're going to fry yourself from the inside out. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm liking the, the sound of this. <laughs> In the TriTech system, uh, there, a, a, an object that you were using to do a dump into, uh, it didn't have any limits. Uh, it was really just based upon the spell itself that you were doing. And, so some, and, and you would roll for a success level as a result of casting the dump. And so most of the time it was like what you expected. You know, the amount of power, extra power you had left over, you just move it over. But then they also had magic rich area where it says you move what you wanted to move over and an extra 50 to up to a thousand points would just go whoomp in there too. And all of a sudden you've got this, this item that's just sizzling with power. Well, yeah, that's the thing. When you're dealing with magic-rich areas such as ley lines and nexus points, yeah, that's why they're so highly coveted. Because of the fact that if you're in the know and you know what to do with a ley line, that's oftentimes those areas, you, you try to go there and you find out there's already a mage there, and you often have to fight for that ley line. And it's something that that I put in the Maze World game, and I don't know if Josie remembers this, on the Maze World map, there was, like, 
a, a small triangle of nexus points where if you wanted to get that particular part of the maze, you had to get past these three wizards that were like jealously protecting that area. You uh, really, yeah. And then, yeah. There was, and then there was another, uh, uh, another one that was basically sitting on another point. Yeah, and so if if you, yeah, if you're going to do the ley line recharge thing, it's very rare. Well, depending on the setting, it's very rare that you're going to have just unless it's relatively new and not many people know about it. Yeah, you can sit there and try to recharge your spell battery on a ley line or nexus point, but there's often that chance that somebody's already beat you to it. So you really have to know where it is and what they're doing. Now, I've, I've mentioned this before. Pathfinder does now have official rules for ley lines. I believe it is in, looking over my books and jogging my memory, the 5K fun run down memory lane here. It's in Occult Adventures, which came out earlier this year, late last year. And what it does is they don't do spell points. It just raises the caster level of the spell. So basically you get to cast a more powerful spell yeah. up to like, it, it's on a one to 20 level. So if you have for every four uh, levels of ley line power, it's plus one caster level. So if you're at a level 20 ley line, you've get, five extra caster levels to your spell. So if you're a third level caster and you're on that level 20 ley line, you're now casting a spell that is eighth level in power. Now I would have to convert that to uh, spell points, but I mean, it could be done, but yeah, as far as uh, I remember the old tri-tech thing where you could, if you were in a magic rich area, yes, you could massively overcharge your, object that you're dumping points into to make a spell battery. I don't I remember, Bruce, if there was any type of um, failure. Like No, there wasn't an upper limit to it. Yeah. Now, there was the possibility that when you tried to do it, you would have a bad transfer and it would, like, blow the thing up. That's what I mean, yeah. That's some yeah. type of penalty. But that's that wasn't because you exceeded. It was just because you randomly rolled that bad result. Okay, yeah. all right. I, I think also I can't remember if it was Tritac or maybe another game where it's where it, it was using spell points, and if you got an item that came from there where great magics had been used in the past, the item may itself have some of that magic imbued into it, and you could tap and use it. It may have been Tritac or maybe something else. I can't remember who. who First edition uh, Bureau 13 might have been in. I don't remember. But I remember, I remember reading someplace where, you know, an area is a great magic. You might be able to find items that, for some reason, now have magic inside of them, and you can tap that. I, I get well. where he's coming from. Yeah, I'm not sure of the system either. But, yeah, mm -hmm. let's say it was you find a sword that was on a battlefield where a great battle was fought mm -hmm. due to the psychic energies or the the emotional imprints that this battle carried you know of of anger of fear of hatred you know you might have like oh there's the shards of this sword each shard you know now has you know magical energy in it from the energy left over from the battlefield so i could see where that would happen um yeah. oh no 
Isildur from um, from Lord of the Rings that had to be yeah. reforged into Narsil. Yeah. Yes. Also, there was a oh god, uh, real quick RPG objects. It's a three point five game called Blood and Relics. Oh what yeah. Oh, you've heard of it. Okay. I own a copy. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember the shards of Excalibur? How they each have power. Now, granted, yeah. this is a magic game where a lot of spells are rituals, but it's that same concept. If you have one of the shards of Excalibur on you, it confers bonuses because it's a piece of Excalibur. Granted, it's supposed to be very hard to find, but if you happen to have one and you're a ritual caster, yeah, you're going to be flinging some power around. I... I- Part of me wants to say it might have been Arduin Grimmore, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It had a t- table for everything in that game. <laughs> uh, again, we, we've got just magic that flows into an uh, into a item because, you know, it's your magic and you could put it somewhere else to store it, okay? And then we have um, magic that is put forced into an item by use of a magic spell and that could be limited in many ways. It could be say that there's an upper range for the item or you could say that the the more power that's in the item, the harder it is to push more more magic into it. Okay. Then there's the third uh, possibility where you use a spell to convert something that is not magic into magic. And you gave the example of a soul. There's also the uh, also life force, which is sometimes used through blood. But it doesn't have to be that. It could also be sunlight. Solar power could be converted into magical power. Or electricity could be converted into magical power. Um, I'm sure there's a nuclear power could be converted into magical power if you had the right kind of spell to do that. Dozens of apprentices running in tread running in treadmills, yeah, producing electric producing electricity, yeah, or, or or something, or or they got little things attached to them because you're you, you know exercise the more you exercise the more you'll bleed off some excess mana, and we just want to tap that, <laughs> right? And there's and there's the possibility of using a magic spell to forcibly steal mana from another spellcaster and put it into your spell battery. Yeah, that's a good question because we did bring that was something about that. Uh, is it your spell battery or is it a spell battery? I, I mean, is mana neutral? I mean, is is everybody's mana the same, or is each person's mana? separate to themselves so if you're not you know uh, uh, again you, you you might have to take a spell like you would use it to convert electricity into mana you might have to have a special spell to convert somebody else's mana into your flavor of mana mm. so that, I'm just saying that's another possibility where everybody doesn't have the same mana and yeah, you put all those those mages together on treadmills or whatever, but you still have to have some kind of a spell to 
you know, uh, uh, match the frequencies, uh, you know, turn the ACs into DCs all at the, at the same phase at the same time. European versus American, you know, connections, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 60 versus 50 hertz, right, sure. I'm saying that's also a possibility about what would go into how you would have to recharge it. Okay. But then the final question, which is what you just brought up, is, is that, okay, another mage, you know, has a spell battery. Your spell battery is dead. Or you never had a spell battery, but you find somebody else's spell battery. Can you tap the magic that's in that spell battery? Yeah, is it is it basically you need the magic word, and you can tap it, or is it bound to the person who creates it, uh, or is it just a generic? Oh, look, it's a it's a spell bearing, yoink, and use it. Yeah, or can yeah, I mean, can you just use it like you would normally use it, or can it only be a source of power that you can, can transfer into your own spell battery? By using this, basically the same spell kind of spells, the ones that convert electricity into magic would convert that spell battery's mana into mana you could then store. Yeah, back to our original, you you have that that fire opal. Well, it's fire magic, and if you're a water mage, you ain't using it. No matter what you try, you can't use <laughs> that. You can't even transfer it. <laughs> it's fire magic. Uh, yeah, it's for fire magic only. Uh, so it's 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 fire tinted mana. <laughs> it's red mana. It's like red matter, like in Star Trek. <laughs> I get I'm like going what? <laughs> what what kind of matter is red matter? You know? Oh, they stole it from the Russians. It's a very dangerous kind. <laughs> so what do you think, Trav? What? How do you want spell batteries to be? Do you want them to be like you know uh, pat? Password locked to the to the spellcaster, uh, and uh, nobody else can just come over and like grab it off of you and start using it against you. Or do you want it to be something that anybody can use? It's just it's there like a a battery sitting on a shelf. I like how John put it here in the notes. Open source. <laughs> Considering we got PenguinCon coming up in two weeks from this taping, I like that. I like. I see what you did there, sir. I like them to be open source because that way, then mages get really damn protective of their spell batteries. I like that idea too. Everything I've seen when they deal with spell batteries of this nature, it's it's not specific to the person that stored whatever. Yeah. It's not specific to that person. It could be used by anybody that that knows how to, really. Well, well John, um, Bruce brought up a good point earlier, Josie, about the the Bureau 13 mage in Nick Pilata's novels, Raul. He was hiding spell points, but in places that nobody would expect. Of course, if you were to cast a tech magic spell... The shoelaces, his watch, his ring would all glow. But unless you actively look for those spell batteries, it's like, right. this guy should be drained. How is he pulling out more magic? Well, it's because he charged his shoelaces, he charged his ring, he charged his watch, he charged the, the gold chain around his neck. So mages are going to be, yeah, they're open source, but... The mages are going to be very covetous of their own spell batteries. 
They're not going to let it be known that they've got the, it's their aces in the hole. So yeah, open source, but hide them from other people. Right. And if possible, use things they won't expect. Yes. Amulets, everyone's going to, all mages are going, oh, he's going to expect. Everyone's going to expect an amulet or a ring or something that's ooh, ooh, ooh shiny. Well, we can go with, well, Josie, we can go with the realm of uh, magic item slots. Oh, look, he charges his gloves. He charges amulet. He charged a headband, you know, like a, a sweatband. Oh, he charged his, you know. Right. Yeah, rings. Was ordinary looking, ordinary looking things. But shoelaces, change in your pocket. Oh, look, I put five spell points in this quarter. As long as I don't spend it, I know, yeah, I've got that extra five magic points that I can cast a spell with. So, yeah, they're going to do it and just put it in such innocuous things that other mages who would be looking to steal this energy would not think to even check out. Unless, of course, hey, look, detect magic. Why is that quarter in your pocket glowing? More like, why are you glowing? Well, well, (laughs) well, here's the thing. With Detect Magic, John, unless you have an active magical effect, like let's say... Uh, um, Okay. Let's say you have a a permanent spell cast on you. Oh, you have Detect Magic. Everywhere you look, you can automatically see magic within 60 feet. If anything, now that effect... If somebody were to cast Detect Magic on you, yes, you would be glowing because you have a permanent magical effect on you. However, if you just have that that charged, that mana charged quarter in your pocket, it will, you will see this little circle of glowing about at hip level on the guy. And it's like, why do you have, that looks to be about a quarter. Why is it glowing with magical energy? It's because it's your secret spell battery. Well, I was making the joke that he, when I say he's glowing, I mean, all his clothes are glowing, his hat's glowing, his glasses are glowing. He's not glowing himself, but everything on him is glowing. Uh, <laughs> I would think that would be that, that if somebody's charging up that much and detect magic pings that if I because if you know detect magic, I would be a magic user and I see somebody glowing that much. That's someone looking for a fight. Yeah. They've got that much magical energy that they're walking around with constantly. That might not be somebody I'd want to. I'd be like, okay, there's a. Why is this guy magically armed as if he's loaded for a war? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a guy. Um, hey, look, I forgot to leave something on at home. Well, no, the whole thing is, Josie, if you were a mage and you saw somebody like, let's say if Sam were to see somebody like that charged head to toe. Every article of clothing has magical energy on it. Just straight up magical energy. That would be someone either exceedingly, somebody exceedingly paranoid or somebody itching for a fight. Mm. Now, and that at that point, that would be. Yeah. I know that would ping with Sam. Sam be just like, okay, there's something going on here. This per yeah. this person, you know, just how either did you her- paranoid, and believe me, I know paranoid, or <laughs> he's looking for he, he's looking for trouble. 
Yeah, or, or as Lister put it, spoiling for a rumble. Yeah. I didn't understand half of it. Spoiling for a rumble, but with a British accent. Okay. Boy. Yeah. Thank you. Red Dwarf. Anyways, John. I know Red Dwarf. I know what Lister sounds like. Yes. Okay, John, so what do you say? Your Skype seems to be cutting out again. Hmm. Okay. I don't understand half of it. All right. Anyways, John. But yeah, it could also, you know, if you, if you do include quality of the material, well, if he's wearing a polyester suit, he may actually have about maybe 20 extra spell points on his person. Even though he's glowing, it's because the quality of the material is not good enough for, you know, if he's wearing a silk suit, be different. He's wearing a polyester suit. Uh, <laughs> that could be brought up the purity. Well, you because you brought up the purity of the crystal. Yeah. Let's say the natural purity of clothing. Yeah, if you've got like a rayon blend or polyester, yeah. But if it, oh look, he has you know silk suit and cotton this and yeah. Yeah. I could see where that would come into play. It, it and it would be interesting because there could be a lot of things where you, you know the item itself is actually more conducive to this than you might think. For example, there was a time when aluminum was considered to be the most precious metal there was because it was so hard to get any of it. Yeah. yeah. That's why the top of the, uh, uh, of the Washington Monument is capped with aluminum. It was a show of our opulent wealth that we did that. At the time, it was worth, I think, what? Twenty thousand dollars. I don't know. It was worth a lot. And the and the and the point though is that now we we consider it to be something of the most mundane metal. Yeah, we make pop cans out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we put our soft drinks in it. Yeah, I mean, at the time it was uh, the 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 most aluminum we could ever form into one piece because it was done. Through chemical processes, and it's horrendous to get you get that much aluminum out of bauxite, you know, through chemical processes. <laughs> right. So I'm saying is that you you know, could be th certain kinds of materials that you might say, well, you know, ray you know rayon. That's you know that's nothing. That's that's nothing compared to silk. But it's a space age material that at one time was impossible to create. That's true, and it's made from dead plants from millions and millions of years ago, too. So, you know, so maybe so, well, if, it, if age is important, that rayon's a better container than that silk. <laughs> you know? really, that, that would be a... I would see that as a setting-dependent thing, really. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. But the concept, I think, is interesting that things that are... That that uh, to mundane eyes. Yeah, the the concept of having different materials, depending on what they are, hold capable of holding different amounts. Yeah, that can be used. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. could be also closer is to the source. So the silk is much better because it really is. Basically, it's the source. It's woven silk fibers, so you can't get better than that. You can't get closer to that to the source than silk. Rayon goes through lots of processes, so it's it's very far from the source. Original well, source. I would, yeah, I just chalked it up to natural versus synthetic. If yeah. it is natural <laughs> origin, yeah, it's going to hold more. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. further away you get from the natural origins, the yeah. 
ditto for cotton. Cotton is pretty pretty dang close. It's maybe not as close as silk is, but because it has to go through a lot of extra processing, but well, it's even pretty close. Is, John, John, cotton is still a natural thing. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. the processes that it goes through. It's whether it is a natural thing or it's a synthetic thing. The yeah. the the processes that that really shouldn't matter. It's still a natural material. Cotton is cotton. Cotton is a, and has it been adulterated? Is is a natural material. So the maid's yeah. wearing the beaver pelt cloak. <laughs> That's as, about as close as you're going to get. You're wearing the hides of an animal. Oh yeah. <laughs> in fact, you may make sure when you had when you made it, you made sure that their essences stayed in the in that cloak. That their their power. <laughs> and if the if this if your spell battery has a type to it or affinity for certain kinds of magic to be used for, then uh, it, if you're a fire mage and you're trying to shove uh, mana into a water shoot uh, dump, then it might take a lot more power <laughs> to push you know, that mana into it, if it can even happen at all. But you said, John. I'm sorry, Trav. That you like the idea that mad that 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 mana is is kind of generic and such, and everybody gets access to everything. You know, the whole thing, Bruce, with your what you were saying, trying to do. Oh, it's fire this, and you're dumping it into something for water. I would make a massive ratio. Like for every five you try to dump in, you're going to get one. You could be a real jerk and say ten to one, but then after a while, it'd be like, why even bother? Well, yeah. you're trying to squeeze a square peg into a round hole here, you know. Right, but based on what you said, I would have that be based on who was doing the casting, not on the ma- magic itself. In this, in this case, it would depend on where it comes from. Let's use the fire and water thing, since that's simple. All right, you're using something that's more suited towards water type things, like say uh, pearls. Okay. That's a good one. The, uh, uh, you're using a pearl. And you happen to be more oriented towards fire, so your own natural your own natural energy is more more it is affiliated with that. It would it would take a lot more effort to you're trying to kind of twist it into the right form. Yeah, especially okay. when, especially when it's opposite, like fire and water. Right, yeah. especially with opposites like that. Yeah, you have to may... twist it into the right form. But yeah. if you pull it from somewhere else, that making yourself a, a conduit between that and what you're storing it into, that method may be easier than doing it yourself. In mm-hmm. this case, also I'm thinking. We're also talking like a level of technology too, where okay, I need to put this. I only got this pearl, and I'm a fire mage. Wait, if I use this gem to focus, I can now, you know. So you're talking, you know, at this point, I can see players coming up with a whole bunch of focus, you know, in this case, not magic focuses, but you know, mana focuses to convert it from fire to water. At that point, and it may be a, it may not be a cost, cost, mana cost problem. Maybe a more of a skill problem of you know, making it fit into, you know, making that square peg fit in the round hole, type situation. 
here's one last question for you because we're gonna need to stop. Um, and that is, is that okay? You have two um, two spell batteries, and you press them against each other. What happens? I would say kind of like you press two normal batteries together. You're going to get a spark, and that spark would tell you, hmm, I might not want to do this. Using that analogy of a batter of two electrical batteries, does the uh, the one with the greater charge in it, does it recharge the uh, the lesser one and, and gain no benefit from it? Do they balance out? Or, yeah, do they get well? Depending upon the, the capacities of each, they may not. Uh, Trav, you want to say something? Go ahead. If the one in my left hand has thirty out of fifty points filled, and the one in my right hand has ten out of twenty points filled, and I touch that larger battery, that larger battery is now going to have twenty out of fifty filled, and the one in my right hand is going to be full that's the way i would do it yeah the larger battery is always going to dump into the smaller battery until it's full uh, but that sort of flies in the fact that we say you have to do ritual to fill it i would say you touch them together unless unless they have some sort of keyword or some sort of trigger to make them dump magic we we never said that john that was just an option uh, I, I don't know about that yeah Okay. Here, but it might also be more active if the if the battery itself wants mana. Okay, it's a it has an affinity for it. Might it not parasitically suck the the mana from the other battery, the weaker battery, prey upon it to 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 to, to fill itself up to its fullness. Well, in that case, you don't even need to touch them together. If you got them both in your hands, you're a good conduit for mana. <clears throat> maybe, maybe you're not. Maybe you're not the mage. I just said, what happens if the two of them touch? You know, if there's a conduit, there's a connection. Then yeah, that's what we're saying. What happens when that happens? Now, assuming, of course, that anything anything happens. I mean, you could just say no. You know, uh, uh, you could touch them together, put them in a big pile. It doesn't make any difference. There's a big pile of of of, uh, uh, of, of magic soul gems over there. Okay, fine. They're all the same. It's fine. You know, they all have you know an equal amount of magic in them, so everything's cool. They're not moving between each other. Because yeah, in the Tritech system, we actually had the WK tap spell you had to learn to tap into it. So, what you're going as is assuming something happens at all, what would yeah. happen? Yes, exactly. Assuming that something happens, what happens? And do we want something to happen? That's, of course, the most basic question. It really does depend on if you want something to happen. Uh, I, I do kind of lean towards the whole nothing is really going to happen. Just by touching them together, you actually have to purposely cause something to happen. Question is, do you treat spell berries as though they are all contact? And if they touch another spell berry, uh, there's a there's a there's a spark, you know, of some sort between them. Or are they basically like regular batteries, as long as you don't actually have a a connection from the, a circuit? between them, they don't discharge, you know, at this point. Well, normally when you hold a battery, an electrical battery in your hand, there's no problem because you're so you have such high resistance against electrical flow that it, it doesn't it doesn't flow. 
Okay, but you take two batteries and push them together. Now you have a tremendous amount of co connectivity between them, and the and the flow is very easy. But part of the problem is that you with two nine volt batteries, you plug them together, and they're fully charged. They will try to discharge each other, and there's a potential oh, that they will get yeah. way too oh, hot. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. No, do not do that. That that just sounds stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But. If if you're saying that these are safe container, my okay, my preference is if these are safe containers to store mana, they're safe containers. You would have to willfully try to make them discharge. Yeah, I right. Good safeguard to put in because you're going to have yeah. some some either somebody just trying to be a wise a wise guy or just a flat out idiot who touches them together. Not I I would think you'd have to willfully do something. The desire has to be there to drain them. We don't right. want what ha we don't want I what happens in land in the land lost TV series when you touch two crystals together. Well, see, I actually want that to happen. I think it's a great idea. Okay, and it also explains a couple of things. One is is that like in in, in the Bureau Thirteen novels, Raoul does not have a magical suit. Okay, as his spell battery, because then it would automatically transfer. You know, every item that he might have on there would automatically be in contact with it and would transfer across. So he has magic in separate, individually separated from each other pieces. So he's got it. He's got it in his shoelaces. He's got it in his ring. He's got it in his tie clip. He's got it somewhere else where they're not going to come into contact with each other. Very likely. Okay, so and that way they keep their magic and and everything is fine. And what but, but when he needs it, you know, he can access it. All right. So and it's easy to access it. That's the you know, he, it's not hard for him to do that. So the, to me, the uh, taking two magic items and putting them together, unless they were of themselves inimical to each other, like your fire and water. Um, spell batteries where they shouldn't have any transfer occur between them then to me the idea of them just doing this quick this transfer across makes sense even if, and there might be attendant issues as you said Josie maybe they get hot maybe they start discharging secondarily because the power flows so quickly okay that's fine that's up to you that's how the GM gets to decide how he wants that to happen yeah so I like it. I like the idea of it of it being like that. You know, I, I I mean these are powerful items. They should be dangerous a little bit at least. They don't they don't normally discharge, but you put two batteries together, you know, you're sticking two wires together like in the movies, you know, and the big sparks and stuff, you know. I don't really like that. I don't see that as working. I I I like to go with the whole, you have to purposely try and make something happen. Now, yeah. whether that something is good or possibly very destructive, well. Well, I, I, Josie, I just see the willful initiation of extracting energy from a magic battery. I see that as a safeguard. It is. It is a safeguard. Yeah. These things are meant to contain that energy. They're not just going to lose that spontaneously touched together or not. 
that's how I always see them. If it was so easy for magic to move between one battery and another, you'd probably only have one battery. Just to keep that from happening. Unless, of course, it, it isn't that big of an issue. You haven't played with the people I've played <laughs> with. They would have multiple batteries. They would have probably each one wrapped in a silk cloth, kept in a separate pocket under person, but they would have multiple batteries just to um, just make sure they never touch. <laughs> then it's not a problem, John. And there's always that possibility of taking that thing and wrapping it together and throwing it somebody and explodes in a huge explosion. Or, or there you go. What happens? I take all my fully charged bat batteries, clump them together, and try to cast a spell. I go, ooh, let's find out. <laughs> At that point, uh, <laughs> the batteries explode and you get all the power. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get up a 1D bag full. Yeah, yeah there you go. 1D <laughs> bag full. Exactly. Yes. When we talked about this a little before is when you when you go in and, and use a spell battery, okay, are you dumping all that power into yourself, you know, and therefore assuming that you have an infinite amount of storage, you can only just generate X amount at a time, or is it like you, you know, plug in a big battery and, and to your small battery and you have the potential of all, you know, like in parallel, so you have more amps that you can pull through to do stuff. You know, that's what we were talking about that before about them, you know. So it just kind of depends on how you're using that as to what happens as far as can I really pull a big spell? Well, you know, if you can, if it's like, put, if it's like putting them in, par in parallel, not series, you know, then yeah, you should be able to pull in a, a big chunk of magic all at once um, and cast a really big spell. Okay, Josie, real quick, what was it you wanted to say, hon? Uh, it was regarding the whole 1D bag full. And I was referring to the skull bag. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one. That <laughs> bag. <laughs> oh, no, I, I could see using multiple batteries together, and it's like, okay, I want to tap all these batteries at once to cast this spell. I would say if you're willing to, and I'm going to use the term here, shoot the wad all at one time, Fine. I would say, okay, because you're drawing from several batteries at once. I'm sorry, that would have to be some type. This would require some type of skill roll, probably spellcraft. And if you mess it up, there could be backlash in that case. <laughs> consult, consult the scroll mishap chart in the Pathfinder Core rulebook or whatever you use for your, you know, for your magic items. I would say that there would be some consequence. If you're and now one battery, no, that's not a problem. But if you're lining up four or five around you and you just decide, okay, I'm gonna tap all these at once to fire off the big spell gun. Yeah, that's gonna take a little bit of moderation on your on the caster's part. I jump into the ball pit of mag <laughs> spell batteries. <laughs> I just roll around in them, casting spells. The the master mage watching his student do that. He's doing the Egon Egon Spangler bit when he shut down the uh, containment no, no, no. chamber I, and just I, goes I, boom. I can see that the the the, the apprentice uh, tries to do something and and the the master mage just covers his eyes. 
Well, I mean, this would make sense if if uh, spell batteries only you know dispel into the mage when the when the mage wanted them to in the contact. So if you want them all to happen at the same time, then you know, and you really want a lot of them, then the best way is just to throw yourself into a big pile of them and roll around like like you're in a pile of leaves and just suck that power in because you want it. You're calling for it from the batteries. Go right back to the cover your eyes because it's about to blow itself up. <laughs> Why are your eyes glowing? When I used them, I always had to, you had to have skin contact. So either you wore it close to your skin around your neck or you had it in your hand or other bodily parts. I have a hair shirt of spell batteries. <laughs> Oh no! You open, you open your jacket up, and there's this, you know, like 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 a like a mad like a bomb, uh, mad terrorist bomber. Uh, so yeah. you have all these crystals Strapped around your ribs and everything. Yeah, yeah. Says, <laughs> "Hey, bad news! I got cancer. What kind? Testicular." It says, oh, it's too bad. No, it's good news. Why is that? I finally have a place to put that spell battery. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nope. Nope. I've had a vasectomy, and that makes me cringe. <laughs> I'm not a guy, and I'm just not. Okay. I felt the shudder from here, Josie, just her going, yeah. bull. <laughs> I've actually been kicked there and immediately was and immediately went, I've got I'm not a guy right now. <laughs> okay. Let's, yeah, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we had to shut this down because... Uh, we're definitely heading towards Silly Town, and uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that uh, well, you probably have thought of a lot of even more crazy things that would happen with spell batteries and focuses and familiars as we talked about them. I mean, these are all dynamite. I mean, these have such huge potential in your game that you really, really, really ought to go crazy with them and just make them as interesting and um, efficacious as possible. Uh, at the same time, you know, not stealing the, um, uh, the spotlight away from all the other players. So we hope these ideas have been useful. We hope that we got you thinking, and we hope that you'll tell us what you're thinking on our various Facebook and um, YouTube and... Oh, actually, we're not on YouTube. Uh, Google+. Plus and the forums, and even iTunes and Podbean can take comments, too. Absolutely. All those things. Please leave us comments. Please let us know what you're doing. Please, and I know that Paul Nunns is listening to this, and he's just going, rubbing his hands together and going, yes, why don't we do this? <laughs> and I want to hear about it, Paul. See, I can think of several ideas that I would do. Alright. Well, you should post on our Facebook groups as well, Josie. Anyways, we're looking looking forward to continuing this in uh, future podcast episodes, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons license. 
No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker, you best attribute this to the folks at TriTech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts, cause we're some bad mothers. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.